We're continuing to discuss the halachas of shikha, and if you recall, there are two types of shikha. One is when somebody forgets a bundle, when he's bringing in all the bundles from the field, he leaves one there. And the other type of shikha is if somebody forgets to cut a stalk while he's harvesting the field, then that would also go to the poor people, and that is the second type of shikha. Hakaita balayla. One who harvests his field at night. amer, or he brings in all the bundles from the field at night. Lasuma and a blind person who either harvests the field or brings in the bundles from the field. In these three cases, if they forget any bundles or stalks, even though we've said already that if there's another factor other than the harvest itself which causes him to forget the produce, then it's not considered shikha. In our case, yeshlem shikha. Shikha does apply to them. So if they forget bundles or stalks, then they would go to the poor people. The reason being that when this person was harvesting and couldn't see so well or couldn't see at all, he still intended to harvest the entire field. And in fact, he was probably more careful to make sure he didn't miss any than had he been able to see, because he knew he had to be careful. So because he intended not to leave anything, if he does leave and forget any stalks or bundles, we view that as a normal forgetting, and therefore it is considered shikha. However, says the Mishnah, if the person who was harvesting or bringing in the bundles at night, or if he was blind... If he only intended to harvest or to collect and bring in the large stalks or the large bundles, and he wanted to leave the smaller ones for another time, to harvest or bring in at another date. In that scenario, Ainle Shikha, Shikha does not apply to any of that produce. Of course it doesn't apply to the smaller bundles or the smaller stalks, because he wasn't even harvesting them now. But even the large ones, since he knows and always intended to go back to the field to harvest the smaller ones, he intends that when he goes back, he'll look over and see if he missed any of the large ones, and he'll harvest them then. Which means that this is no way a final harvest, and he knows he's going to come back for a second harvest. So therefore, at least for this stage, when he does it at night, or when he's blind, and just intends to collect the larger ones, in that case, Eino Shikha Shikha does not apply to it because of his intention. However, what happens if a farmer explicitly states in Omar if he said, Harani Kritzer, behold, I am harvesting my field, Almanas, on condition that Mashani Shechani Etel, that whatever I forget, I'm going to come and take for myself. So his condition is effectively getting rid of the entire halacha of Shikha. And of course he can't do that. So the Yeshle Shikha, Shikha will apply to him, and it's not similar to the previous case, because here it's actually a condition which he's making. And he's explicitly saying that he does not want the laws of Shikha to apply. And there's a rule that to not a bottle. Anybody who makes a condition which clearly goes against the Torah, the condition is invalid, and therefore in our case, he would need to separate shikha and give it to the poor people. Per Aleph, the mission is now going to discuss the shikha of trees specifically, and although it's going to talk of a olive tree, that's just an example, but this would apply to all trees. Now, something is only considered shikha if after you overlooked it, you're not going to remember it unless you come back to the field and see it. So it's considered totally forgotten, and therefore it's shikha. But if there's something special, unique, and significant about that specific tree or that specific produce, that means that you'll remember it even without seeing it, because it's a memorable tree, or it's a memorable stalk, whatever it may be. And therefore, called zayis yeshle shem any olive tree which has a name in the field, it's a well-known tree. And this could be because it's a very good quality tree, or it could be because it's a bad quality tree. The point is, it's very memorable. Afilu kezayis and and some versions get rid of the word afilu. Even something like the olive tree, which drips at its time. And this is referring to a tree which is so succulent and full of oil that it drips with oil. 
And even if it doesn't do this every single year and every single olive, rather it's just Bishatai, it's just at its time, which means that let's say the previous year it got such a good name for dripping with oil, then even if this year it's not dripping with oil, it still has that name and therefore it's considered a memorable tree. Because of that, if you forget that tree, it is not considered shikha because you are very likely to remember the tree and remember that you didn't harvest it or that you didn't bring in the produce, even if you do not see the actual tree. When are these words said? Meaning, what makes a tree significant that shikha will not apply to it? Either bishmai, either it's got to have a significant name that people call it such and such a tree, or the mass of, all the characteristics and the quality of its produce has to be well known, or if it's situated in a very significant place, and therefore it's known as the tree of that place. So if a tree has any one of these three characteristics, then it will not become shikha. And now the Mishnah will give examples of those three things. Bishmai. What are examples of names of the tree? Shaya Shifchaini. It was called Shifchaini, which comes from the word Shofach, which means to pour. And again, it means it was pouring with oil. There's so much oil in those olives. Oy Beishoni, or it was called Beishoni, which comes from the word to embarrass or to shame. And this is referring to a tree, which even if it itself is not an incredibly significant tree, but compared to the other trees around it, it's a far better quality tree. And therefore it is memorable. It's called Beishoni because it metaphorically shames the other trees, because it's so much better than them. Alright, Bamasov, what are examples of a tree which is memorable because of its deeds, of what it produces? Shu'isaharba, that it produces a lot of olives, Bimkaimai, what's an example of a tree which is significant by virtue of its location. So for example, show gas if it was situated on the side of the wine press, or on the side of the hole in the wall, such that this tree is known as the tree by the wine press, or the tree by the hole in the wall. So therefore it's memorable, and therefore shikha will not apply to it. Continues the Mishnah, and when it comes to all other olives, which aren't especially significant, so they would have the normal halachs of shikha, such that shnaim shikha, if he leaves behind two, which are next to each other, then they are still considered sheikha, but a shleisha. If he overlooks three trees which are next to each other, then in on sheikha, that would not be considered sheikha. And that follows Beis Hillel's opinion earlier on in the Masechta. Rabbi Yossi, Omer, Rabbi Yossi says, and Rabbi Yossi is referring to the time right after the destruction of the second Beis Hamikdash. And during that time, many, many of the olive trees throughout Eretz Israel were destroyed. So an olive tree became very rare which meant that any olive tree was considered special and memorable. And therefore, in Shikhal Azizim, Shikhal would not apply to any olive trees at all during that time, because every single olive tree was considered significant, even if it didn't produce especially much. Mishnah Base, in continuation of the subject of Shikhal by trees, using the example of an olive tree, the Mishnah tells us, Zayz Shanimtza Oimed, an olive tree which is found situated being Sholish Shurais, between three rows of olive trees. So you've got three rows of olive trees, and in the middle row, there is a certain olive tree. And the Mishnah tells us that these three rows of olive trees were Shelshnei Malbanin. They were among two patches, which were either empty space or planted with grain. The point is that in between each row of olive trees, there was a patch. So the setting we've got here is that there's one row of olive trees, then a patch, then another row of olive trees, then a patch, and then a third row of olive trees. Now in the middle row of olive trees, the second row, if you forget an olive tree which is in that row, and this is not talking about either of the olive trees at the end of the rows, but any of the other olive trees in that second row, as long as it's not the end olive tree, that would not be considered shikha if you forget that olive tree. 
And this is either based on what we learned in the previous Mishnah, that this is in a very significant position of the field, in the middle of all of this, so because of that it's exempt. All the main reason is, because these olive trees are hidden. They're in the middle of all of this, and therefore they're hidden, and we learnt earlier on in the Masechta, that if produce is overlooked because of an external factor, for example, if the poor people cover the produce with straw, so that's why you forgot it. Not because of the harvest, just because you overlooked it as you were harvesting, and therefore it would not be considered shikha. So to here, since the reason why you forgot that is because it's hidden by so many things, that's not considered to be just forgotten. So because of that, it is not considered shikha. Just like with regular produce, zayis sheesh sayim, an olive tree which contains two sa'ah of olives, and you forget that olive tree in a shikha, it is not considered shikha, because there's so much there, it's considered a significant and memorable tree, such that it cannot become shikha. Now the next part of the Mishnah refers back to Mishnah Aleph, where we listed a number of memorable and significant trees, which are well known, and therefore shikha does not apply to them, but the Mishnah is now going to limit that exemption. When those words said that a well-known tree is exempt from shikha, that's only if you didn't even begin harvesting that tree and you forgot it. In that scenario, we say that you're definitely going to remember it later on, and therefore it's not really considered forgotten. But if you already began harvesting the tree, and then you stopped, and then you forget about it, and you forget to harvest the second half of the tree, but if you did begin harvesting that tree, even if it's such a significant tree, like the olive tree which was dripping at its time, that's the example we gave in Mishnah Aleph, even if it's an extremely memorable tree, and you forget it, shikha does apply to it, because since you began harvesting it, it could very well be that you genuinely thought that you'd finished harvesting that tree. If you hadn't begun harvesting it, then we say it's impossible that you'll forget it, so you'll come back to it and therefore it's not shikha. But if you began harvesting it and then stopped, that could be because you forgot about the rest of the tree, or you thought you'd finished harvesting that tree, and therefore in that scenario shikha would apply. Now the Mephoshim write, based on the Tosefta, that even in a case where you began harvesting the tree, there could be a case where the exemption does apply, and that is if the tree contains two sa'ar of produce. So even if you did begin harvesting the tree, if it has two of produce on the tree, then it would be exempt. So to summarize, if a tree is well known or it's a very significant tree, so if you haven't begun harvesting it, then it's exempt even if it's smaller than two sa'ar. If you have begun harvesting it, then it's only exempt if it contains at least two sa'ar of produce. And thirdly, if a tree contains two sa'ar of produce, but that's the only significant thing about it, then it's exempt as long as you have not begun harvesting that tree. Now the Mishnah ends off by telling us that as long as the owner has olives at the bottom of the tree, meaning these olives have been detached and put at the bottom of the tree, until the workers will then come and pick up all of those olives from the bottom of all of the trees. So as long as there are olives there, the owner still has a right to the ones at the top of the tree, which are still attached to the tree. Even if he forgot those ones, and he forgot to detach those from the tree, they are not yet considered shikha, the reason being that when the workers come to collect the ones from the bottom, they always look upwards just to check for any forgotten olives. And therefore he technically hasn't completed the harvesting of the olives, because that's part of the process, that he harvests all the ones that he sees the first time round, and then the workers will come and take any of the leftover ones. However, once the workers have taken away the ones from the bottom of the tree, and let's say they glanced up to see if there were any there, and they didn't see them, once that stage has been passed, any olive left in the tree is considered shikha. 
However, Rabbi Meir Omer, Rabbi Meir says that those olives would still not be considered shikha, and they're only considered shikha mishetele chamachaveh. For when the machaveh goes, and the machaveh is a worker who would use a stick to uncover any olives still stuck in the tree. That he would go around poking towards the top of the tree in order to check if there were any olives there. And that was done even after the olives at the bottom of the tree were removed. And according to Rabbi Meir, since that is also considered part of the harvesting process, the machaveh can bring down any olives which he sees, and that would go to the owner. But once the machaveh has passed, even Rabbi Meir agrees that any more olives left there would be considered shikha and would therefore go to the poor. Mishnah Gimel, the remaining Mishnahis of our Perek discuss two gifts which a farmer has to give to poor people, and these gifts only apply to a grapevine. And one of those two gifts is known as peret, which we've seen once in Amsechtel already, and peret is pretty much identical to leket, it just only applies to grapevines. And when it comes to all other trees, leket does not apply. However, the Torah specifically says that if you have a vineyard where grapes are planted, uferet leket, you shall not collect the peret of your vineyard. Now, just like when it comes to leket, the stalks are only considered leket if they fall down directly as a result of the harvest itself, and not because of some external factor, the same applies to peret. Ezo Peret asks the Mishnah, What is considered Peret? Hanesha Bishas Habetzira, that which falls down at the time of the harvesting. Betzira is a special word which the Mishnah uses when referring to the harvesting of grapes. So what Koitzer refers to with most other produce, Boitzer is the equivalent when it comes to grapes. And it means the harvesting when you cut it off the ground. Now just like the Mishnah did when it discussed and defined Leket, the Mishnah is now going to describe an external factor which makes something exempt from Leket, from Peret. And that example is her beitzer. If somebody was harvesting the grapes, he was cutting them off the vine. He cut off a cluster of grapes. And then, while he was holding the cluster, it got entangled with leaves. And because of that, the cluster fell from his hand onto the ground. And grapes were detached from the cluster. They fell off. Those grapes belong to the owner because it was an external factor, in this case the leaves getting tangled, which caused the grapes to drop. Now the obligation of Peret, and the transfer of ownership of those grapes, from the owner to the poor people, occurs as soon as they have fallen off the cluster, as soon as they have fallen off the, the vine, even before they reach the ground. Which means that one who puts down a basket underneath the vine, at the bottom of the vine, at the time that he is cutting the grapes off the vine, and then he wants to keep the grapes which went into his basket. Well, says the Mishnah, That is considered stealing from the poor people if he keeps those grapes. Because even though they didn't touch the ground, they already belong to the poor people as soon as they come off the tree, the vine. And al Emar about this person, or this action, it is said in the Pasuk, Al-Tasig Gavul Oilem, Do not move the boundary of those going up. We've had this Pasuk already in the Masechta. Those going up is a euphemism for the poor people. It's a nice way of referring to the poor people who are really going down in their possessions. And although the Pasuk says Oilom, not Oilim, the Mishnah still uses this Pasuk as a support and a reference for somebody who steals the Matnus Aniyim. He steals any of the gifts which should go to the poor people. That is forbidden, and the Torah, the Pasuk here is saying that one should not try to push the boundaries of ownership and something which should go to the poor people, you should make sure it goes to them.